our gospel reading for today. It comes from the gospel of Mark, chapter 1, verses 1 to 8. And it reads like this. The beginning of the good news about Jesus the Messiah, the Son of God, as it is written in Isaiah the prophet. I will send my messenger ahead of you. He will prepare your way. A voice of one calling in the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord. Make straight paths for him. And so John the Baptist appeared in the wilderness, preaching a baptism of repentance and for the forgiveness of sins. The whole Judean countryside and all of the people of Jerusalem went out to see him, confessing their sins, and they were baptized by him in the Jordan River. John wore clothing made of camel's hair with a leather belt around his waist, and he ate locusts and wild honey. And this was his message. After me comes one more powerful than I, the straps of whose sandals I am not worthy to stoop down and untie. I baptize you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. This morning, it marks the second Sunday of Advent, so this four-week-long season uh, in the Christian calendar that leads us all the way up to Christmas morning. Um, And if there was one common theme that could best summarize uh, what Advent challenges us to do, it would be uh, preparation, this idea of preparation. Preparing our hearts and preparing our lives to receive the King who is coming into the world. So last week, uh, we looked at another passage in Mark's gospel. Uh, Jesus, he repeats this idea again and again and again, this idea of keeping watch, being prepared, to be on guard, to be alert, of keeping our eyes and our hearts and our minds open to the God who so often shows up at unexpected times, in unexpected places, and in unexpected ways, that all throughout Jesus' life, you can find him, you can find him in and among places that you would not expect to find the Son of God. He would be found with the poor. He would be found with those who were hungry, those who were rejected, those who were deemed unclean, those who were shunned to the margins of society, those who were labeled as sinners. And we know that this is not what the people were expecting. We know this because it was the Pharisees and the religious leaders of the day, those who were literally the experts when it came to all things religion, that had the most difficulty recognizing Jesus and receiving Jesus as the Messiah whom the scriptures had spoken about. And so one of our prayers from last week was this, was, Lord, have mercy on us. Lord, have mercy on me when I have been blind just like that. When I have just assumed, or we have just assumed, that we are the ones who are always seeing clearly. That we are the ones who are always living at the center of God's will while dismissing anyone else that doesn't think or act or believe or behave the exact same way that we do. Because if the Gospels remind us of one thing this Advent season, it is that we serve a God who can be found in and among the places that we least expect. And so we say, God, open our eyes. Open our hearts so we might see, we might hear. 
As we take a look at our passage for this morning, I want to begin uh, by uh, sharing a story with you. My guess is that the name Private Sarah K. Evans doesn't ring a bell to you. And if I want to be totally honest with you this morning, if you asked me who she was a week ago, I wouldn't have had the slightest clue who she was. But um, in 1952, Private uh, Evans, she boarded, uh, she boarded a, a charter bus that was um, leaving Trenton, New Jersey, heading for Washington, North Carolina, uh, to visit her family during a leave from Fort Dix. Uh, serving in the military at the time, uh, Private Evans was in full uniform as she was traveling south from New Jersey to North Carolina. Um, and during a stop um, in Roanoke Rapids, North Carolina, Private Evans, who was a woman of color, um, she was asked to give up her seat to a white passenger and move to the back of the bus. Uh, but Private Evans, uh, she was a smart one. She knew her rights, and she knew that, that buses that had originated in the north, in her case, New Jersey, and then traveled to the south did not have to adhere uh, to southern local laws. And so Private Evans, she says, no, I'm not going to move. This bus started in New Jersey. I'm going to abide by the rules of the north. I do not have to move from my seat. And so not sure how to handle the situation, the bus driver, he's, he ordered all the passengers to get off the bus, except for Private Evans. He said, you, you stay right there. Uh, the police showed up. Uh, they took her into custody for 13 hours uh, before she was uh, released. She was ordered to pay a fine of $25 for uh, disorderly conduct. $25 in 1952 would be the equivalent of like about $210 today. Uh, Evans was then returned to the bus station. She was given an assigned seat and told not to move until she reached her final uh, destination. And for three years following that incident, so from 1952 to 1955, Private Evans, she continued to fight uh, and to advocate for her rights and the rights of other African Americans uh, until she withdrew from the public eye in 1955 where she built um, and created her own uh, um, salon and she became a very successful uh, hairstylist. Uh, another woman that, that I learned about this past week was a woman named Claudette Colvin, who actually had a very uh, similar experience as Miss Evans. So in, her story is in March of 1955. She was a teenager. She also refused uh, to give up her seat while traveling uh, on a bus. She was detained by the police. She was forced to pay a fine. Um, and when she asked, why did you do, why didn't you just move? Um, she said it was her exposure to other women like Sojourner Truth, Harriet Tubman, uh, and other women like that, that that emboldened her to stand up for what she knew was right. And what's so interesting about both of these women, so Private Evans and then Claudette Colvin, is that their stories remained largely unknown uh, until recent days. And, and I share those two stories with you this morning because um, before there was a Rosa Parks, so Rosa Parks being the civil rights icon attributed with um, prompting the, the Mississippi bus boycott of 1955. Before there was a Rosa Parks, there was a private Sarah Evans. There was a Claudette Colvin. And not just those two, but, but there were others uh, who were forerunners as well. These two relatively unknown women who helped trailblaze the way and set the groundwork for what would later be attributed to Rosa Parks. 
our scripture reading for today tells us about a man named John the Baptist who did something actually very similar to this. He was a man who went ahead. He went ahead preparing the way for the one who was to come, preaching a message to anybody who would listen, a message of repentance and for the forgiveness of sins. And so in many ways, John was a trailblazer. John was a forerunner. It was John's job to till the soil and to ready the people for the message and for the ministry of Jesus. And I've got to say, if there's one quality about John that I think I admire the most, it it was that he was fully aware of what his place was in God's story, of what his role was. Um, So in our world today, we we idolize things like being number one, things like fame and and celebrity and being the best and, and wealth. And yet John's words in today's text, they are the exact opposite of those things. John says, after me, comes one more powerful than I, the straps of whose sandals I am not worthy to stoop down and untie. I baptize you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. And I don't think any of us could deny that John had this incredible boldness when it came to doing the work of God, but he also had a humble spirit as well. And in order for us to receive, and in order for us to welcome the coming king this Advent season, it also requires that we have hearts of humility and a heart of repentance. Last Sunday after church, I went home and uh, I was sitting down with my kids at the the dining room table. And uh, we were looking, uh, we do like a little Sunday school back at home after church. And um, we were looking at a story in the Gospels. This is probably a story you've heard at least at some point throughout your life. And it's a story about two men who went into the temple to pray. Uh, One of the two men was uh, a Pharisee, uh, a righteous man by all accounts. He followed the law very well. Uh, He gave a portion of his money to the poor, which is a wonderful, great thing to do. He fasted and he prayed on a regular basis. But in his approach to God and in his approach to other people, it was marked by self-righteousness and pride. (laughs) God Let me remind you of all the wonderful things I do. I do this, and I give this, and I do this for for, for two hours a day, and and I give this, and I give that, and I make sure I don't do that, and I make sure I always do this. But most of all, God, I give you thanks that I am not like other people. I thank you, God, that I'm not like other people, especially I thank you that I am not like this tax collector over here. Whereas the tax collector, where it would be hard to name somebody who had a worse reputation than what he had, and yet even with all of his baggage and his sketchy behavior, he comes before God confessing his faults and his sins, fully aware of his need for God's grace and mercy. And Jesus points to this story that that even with all the, the righteousness and all the good things that the Pharisee did, it was the tax collector who went home in good standing before God because it was his humble heart and his awareness for his own need for God's mercy. And I think the very same thing holds true for you and for me today. That it is a heart of humility and a heart of repentance. And not just humility and repentance, but I think we could also uh, add 
to those things, we could also add gratitude and thankfulness. So it is with a heart of, of humility and repentance, with gratitude and thankfulness, that prepares our hearts to receive the king this Advent season. And so I want to ask you this, whether uh, you're one of the couple people who are gathered here with us this morning or you're at home. Um, what would it look like for you and for me to hear the words of John the Baptist this morning? What would it look like for you and for me to have a heart of humility and a heart of repentance while also practicing thankfulness and gratitude that we might receive and welcome Jesus into our lives this Advent season? I think a second question our text might have us ask today is this, is who have been the trailblazers in your life that you are thankful for? Who are the people that, like John the Baptist, uh, that, that God has used to set the groundwork for your faith and for the person that you are today? Who are the trailblazers? Who have been the trailblazers in your life? For me, one of the main people who comes to my mind um, is, is my mother. Um, that again and again and again throughout my life, my, my mom showed me Jesus in her kindness towards other people and her friendliness towards other people, and her joyful and giving spirit. And probably once every few months, I'll be uh, talking to my mom on the phone, and I'll just say, I just want to tell you again how grateful and how thankful I am to have had and still have a mother who has shown me the love and the kindness of God throughout my whole life. And so, Mom, I just want to tell you I love you and that, that, that I thank you for your example and what you've shown me my whole life. And so I ask you, who are those people for you? Who have been those people for you that you just want to thank God for today? And then if you want to take things maybe just a step forward, when you go home today, call them. Or send them a message and just say, I just want to thank you for the example you've been to me or how you've impacted my life. Because I guarantee you that would probably, probably mean a lot to that person. So who, who has been the trailblazer in your life? Somebody that you've, uh, that's helped shape who you are today, that, helps, that has helped shape and inform your faith today. And then lastly, how could God use you to be a trailblazer and a forerunner for someone else? Uh, I realize this is one of those questions that's impossible to know the answer to. Uh, because the scriptures, well, well, there's lots of things that the scriptures tell us. There's a whole bunch of things the scriptures don't tell us. Um, and so it would be hard to get a quantitative answer here. But I was thinking about this question as I was preparing this sermon, and that is this. How many people embraced the ministry and the message of Jesus because of what John did ahead of time? How many people do you think were, how many people's uh, hearts and minds and lives were open and receptive to the love and mercy of God, whose hearts and lives were changed because of what John the Baptist did. How many people, when Jesus arrived on the scene, were open and receptive to the presence and power of God because of the work that John did ahead of time? And thinking about us today in the year 2020, you know, things are, are 
are a whole lot different than, than uh, they, they uh, were in the first century. So if you did what John did and you went out to a countryside and wore really strange clothes and yelled at people to confess and to repent of their sins, you'd probably get the police called on you. People would label you as crazy or, or something else. But still, how could God use you and your life when it comes to other people? and how you care for other people, and how you speak to people, and how you advocate for other people by the example of how you live your life every day. How could God use you just like how God used John the Baptist to till the soil and to prepare people's hearts and to have an impact and an influence? How could God use you? Again, whether it be your example or your actions or your boldness or your words, for your sacrifice, so that others might be open and receptive to God's love this Advent season. Would you pray with me today? God, we thank you for this word. And I thank you for people like John the Baptist, uh, for people like uh, Private Evans and Claudette Colvin, and other forerunners. Um, throughout our history and our faith. People who didn't demand to be in the spotlight, but instead um, did really important work that made a difference. Um, and so God, I thank you for, um, for people like my mother um, and her faithfulness and, and how that impacted me. And God, I pray um, that we would have hearts of humility and repentance. Because it is only with, with a heart of humility and a heart of repentance coming before you with that posture that, that we are able to be open and receptive to the gift that is Advent and Christmas. It is only with, with a heart of humility and repentance that, that we are able to, to receive you and to say yes to you. And then God, I pray um, that just like how you use John the Baptist, God, that you might use us. Our names might not ever be recorded in a really important book like the Bible. Our names might, we might never uh, be recognized for anything that we, that we might do um, in any official way. But God, I pray that you might use us uh, and how we live our lives through the power of your, your Holy Spirit working through us, that we might um, that we might show others the love of God through what we say and what we do and how we act in the way that we live our lives. Um, we thank you so much for your love and for your goodness and for your faithfulness. We pray all these things in the name of Jesus. Amen.